Christ. All right, we are in the final week of this teaching series we've been in. If you, if you are uh, just now joining us, you're visiting with us for the first time, we welcome you. Glad to have you with us. And we've been in a series for the last four weeks this entire month entitled The Presence. And that's because God has given a word to our church that this year for us is a year of the presence of the Lord. And I want to read to you the, the, the specific word that God gave me to share with our church because this is really what this pertains to. The word of the Lord for 2024 is that it is a year of the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> it's a year for God's people to become God's shadow and only move when he moves and stay still when he's staying still. The world around you will get darker and more fearful and even more confusing in 2024. And there will be events that will shatter the confidence of some people and throw entire man-made systems into chaos. But those who have their life anchored in the presence of the Lord will not only survive the dark times, but we will thrive in those dark times. And others will end up looking to us for consolation and direction. God says, practice my presence daily and throughout each day. Long for my presence like you long for oxygen to breathe. Gather together with others who esteem my presence and separate yourself from intimate connections with those who dishonor my presence. The gulf is getting bigger. It's widening. The glory is necessary in order for you to know how to take steps of victory. The decision is yours. Choose today and every day. Will it be blessing and presence and wisdom and favor and healing and prosperity and protection and all the stuff that heaven has in store for your life? Or will your 2024 be filled with struggle and carnality and personal preference, doing it my own way, and worldly insight, and public opinion, what everybody else thinks about it, and all the stuff that Satan wants to throw your way. I'm going to vote for you and declare it's going to be your blessing in the presence of God. And I'm voting for you because even without talking to you, I know what you desire for this year. I know all of us want to see this year be a year filled with blessing and presence and prosperity and peace and protection for our homes and and we've told you that in God's presence, those are things that we can expect. In fact, in his presence, we've told you we can expect to be led by his presence. We can expect to be healed in his presence. There's healing already in the presence of God. Last week, we told you we can expect to be empowered or authorized by his presence. And then today, I want to wrap this up, finish this series off by teaching you that we can also expect to be prospered in the presence of God. We can expect to be prospered in God's presence. Now, when I say the word prosper or prosperity, i got to give some context because different people show up with different mindsets. And really, prosperity has kind of been given a bad name or bad rap in Christianity because some people have led us to believe that prosperity is you give $10 in an offering and you're going to get $1,000 back. And reality is that's not what God is talking about when he's talking about prospering or prosperity. The word prosper literally means to be or become successful. To prosper means to achieve something that you've aimed for. Some of the synonyms that line up with to prosper are to flourish or to thrive. So again, to prosper is to be or become successful, to achieve something that you've aimed for. And a couple of synonyms for prosper is to flourish or to thrive. Now again, most times when, especially when people show up at church, they hear the word prosper or prosperity our minds tend to automatically go to financial or material success. And hear, hear me when I say this, because when we think of prosperity or prospering as material success or financial success, can I say it this way? That's not incorrect 
but it is incomplete. To think of prosperity only in terms of money coming my way or income coming my way or raises on my job, it's not incorrect, but it's very much so incomplete. And I can say that because biblical prosperity means to thrive, succeed, or have success, listen to this, in every area of our lives. That means spiritually, financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, and in every other way. Come on, did you hear what I just said? We talk about biblical prosperity. Biblical prosperity means to thrive, succeed, or have success in absolutely every area of our lives. If I'm really prospering the way God intends, God doesn't want me to have prosperity in my money and be broke in my health. You don't want me to have prosperity in my money, and I got prosperity in my health, but I'm broke in my relationships. Nobody can stand me. I don't have any thriving relationships. Biblical prosperity is to thrive, succeed, or have success in every area of our lives, spiritually, financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, and every other way. In fact, 3 John verse 2 says it this way, Beloved, I pray that you may, and this is God's declaration of his desire for us, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Everybody say out loud, God desires to see me prosper. Now say it like you actually mean it. God desires to see me prosper. Say it again. God desires to see me prosper. And then say this way, and so do I. Now if you really mean that, come on, give God a shout in this place. Come on, God, God wants to see me prosper, and I want to see me prosper. But now watch this. When you think at your, look at your life, it is not God's plan for you to struggle or lose or be defeated in any area of your life. It is not God's plan. And I'm not, I don't care who told you that. I don't care who told you that. Sometimes God wants you up. Sometimes he wants you down. Sometimes God will take you through trials and tribulations to teach you a lesson and see if you really serve him better. That is not the God we serve. You as a parent wouldn't put your kid through difficult times and put sickness and disease on them to see if they're really going to be faithful to you. God doesn't need for us to go through difficulties. If, if we listen to him and allow him to teach us, he can take us from mountaintop to mountaintop instead of mountain to valley, from valley to mountain again. He wants us to stay on top, but it's not completely left up to him. I gave you this quote last week, and for whatever reason, maybe you didn't hear it well enough. You didn't act on it well enough because God told me to put it right back in the nose this week. God wants to do something in us and for us that we have not given him space to do before now. Let that that sink deep deep in your heart. I'm 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 talking to everybody, but I'm talking to you in particular. God wants to do something in you, and he wants to do something for you, but you have not given him space to do it up until now, which means whatever life you are living today, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's mediocre, just blase, blase, God has a better life for you than the one you're walking in right now. And what he's saying to you through your pastor is, I'm trying to get to you more life than what you're experiencing now. There's some prayers you've been praying to me, and I'm trying to answer those prayers. There's some things that have been hurting your heart. I got the answer. I'm trying to fix those things. But you haven't given him enough space for him to do what he wants to do in your life. And he's literally knocking at the door of your heart saying, will you please let me come in and give you a better life than the one you put together all by yourself? 
basically, this is how it works. God has an amazing plan for our lives. Anybody agree with that? God's got an amazing plan for our lives. Yes, he does. Okay, can I tell you this, though? Satan has a very destructive plan for our lives. The Bible says that his, his plan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Anytime he shows up, anybody that he brings into your life, the ultimate goal of them being a part of your life is to bring some, some, some level of thievery to steal, to kill, or to destroy God's purpose and plan. So God has a really amazing plan he's trying to get into our lives. Satan has a very destructive plan. He's trying to weasel into our lives. But here it is. We're the ones that cast the deciding vote. Votes tied one to one. God says, man, I want you blessed. I want you prospering. I want you healed. I want your marriage strong. I want your kids thriving. The devil says, I want to steal everything you got. I want to rob. I want to take that smile off your face. I want you to struggle from paycheck to paycheck. I want you to barely get by. I want you to have sickness in your body and, and have no idea how you're going to get yourself healed. I want your kids to grow up and can't stand you and y'all don't have any relationship whatsoever. God is voting for you. Devil's voting against you. The score is tied 1-1. The question becomes now, what vote are you going to cast? Because we are the ones that cast the deciding vote for our lives. And can I tell you this? Parents, you don't get to cast a vote for your kid's life. What we get to do as parents is raise them up and teach them how to vote. <laughs> But when our kids are old enough to make decisions for themselves, we have to decide for ourselves whether we want to have God's blessed life or the devil's cursed life. Now, here's the question. How do we cast that deciding vote? Do we cast it by just wanting, just wish, I wish for a better life? Do we, do we cast it by just hoping and, 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 and desiring for things to change? Do we cast our deciding vote by just thinking positive thoughts and saying some positive affirmations? Do we cast our deciding vote, maybe this is it, by just attending more church services this year than we did last year? Maybe that's what it takes. Do we cast our deciding vote by becoming good friends with some really influential people? Maybe if I know the right people, then it'll lead me to God's blessed life. Now, I'm going to show you from the Bible how to cast that vote for a prosperous life instead of a defeated life. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, let the words from the book of the law be always on your lips. Meditate those words day and night so that you may be careful to live by everything that is written in this book, talking about the Bible. If you do that, as you make your way through this world, watch this, you will prosper and you will always find success. Anybody want to prosper and, and always find success? That's about 12 of you. Anybody want to prosper and, all, and, and just, I mean, any, anybody, want to, anybody want to be a walking, talking, living magnet for victory everywhere you go? He says, if you do the things he just said here, you will prosper. Remember, remember we told you what to prosper means to be successful or achieve what you've been aiming for. If you do these things he just said, you will prosper and everywhere you go, he said, you'll always find success. If the goal is to prosper and the goal is to always find success, and we can say it this way, God just gave us a secret formula. We have the secret sauce, the mixture that helps us understand how to have prosperity, how to have success, not in some areas, not a couple areas, but every area of our lives. It's like somebody famous, somebody rich like Warren Buffett or somebody, some multi-billionaire walking up to you and, 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 and giving you a blank check. Now, my, my staff told me in between service, I need to explain to some of these younger people what a check is. <laughs> a check is a little thing that came before your Apple Pay. 
where you couldn't just take your phone out and go boop and it pay for things. You'd go to the grocery store, you had to write this little, ch- uh, a little thing out of a checkbook. And you'd take one and you'd write, pay to the order of, you put a name in there. You put an amount on the next line. And if you signed it at the bottom, they could take that check to the bank. And the bank would give them whatever amount you wrote on that check. Because that check was an exchange for money in your account. Well, if somebody really, really famous, really, really rich like Warren Buffett came and wrote a check, and it says, pay to the order of, and they put your name in there. And they went down to the bottom, and they just signed it. And they handed it to you and said, go, go fill in whatever you want to fill in. Now, some of you about to pass out just thinking about that one, right? Because I'm, I'm going big. You give me that check. <laughs> but that's, that's, in essence, what God just did for us here. He says, if you want to be successful, if you want to have a prosperous life, you want things to work out and go your way, he just gave us the formula to having a victorious and a successful life. And I want to break it down for you today. What are the keys to prosperity? First thing he told us in Joshua 1.8 is, let the words from this book of the law, the book of the law is the Bible, the word of God, let the words from this book of the law, here it is, be always, everybody say always. always. Come on, everybody say always. always. He said, let them be always on your lips. What does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to write scriptures out on paper and, and, and get some tape and tape them to our mouth and just walk around with the, the scriptures taped to our lips? And, or does that, that mean we're supposed to take a Bible, maybe find a little small New Testament and just balance it on your mouth when you walk around? No, let, let this, these words always be on your lips. Let me tell you what it means. It means live your life doing this. Speak the word of God. We're we're to live our lives speaking the word of God. Success in God's kingdom begins by tracking the words we speak and the unconscious declarations that we make. If we're going to have success, how do I prosper, God? Because so much much of the time, this this is how we want to prosper. Father, bless me. Help me, give me more money, give me a better job, fix my marriage, turn my kids around, heal my body. And he he wants to do all those things. But he said, if you want to prosper, if you want to have prosperity and always find success, he says, the first thing to do is let the word of God, the Bible, be always on your lips. In other words, success in God's kingdom begins by tracking the words we speak and the unconscious declarations that we make. Because as human beings who are made in the image and likeness of God, we cannot afford to just say anything whatsoever. And so many times we walk around saying words that we don't really mean that. No, I don't really want that. Of course I don't want that in my life. Well, we have to make sure that we're not saying stuff that we don't really want to see come to pass. Stuff like what? When we say stuff like, man, this job is killing me. Hey, neighbor, just keep looking straight ahead. Nobody know who you're talking to you. <laughs> man, that's killing me, man. They got me working so many hours. They, 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 they're trying to kill me at this job. Or, or, or single people, man, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. But I, what book of the Bible did you find that in? Sounded like that came from Third Doubt, chapter 6. How many things do we end up saying without even consciously thinking about it? We let words come out of our mouths that we really don't mean. We say say things like, this marriage is trash. I I can't believe I even married her. Now, we don't tend to say that to our spouse, but we say it to somebody else, I can't even believe I married him. 
But, yet, but then we're praying, God, can you heal my marriage? Can you make it better? I can't believe I, I married this, this joke. I mean, I can't, I can't even believe I did this. But how about this? You, you, you just like your daddy. Your daddy was lazy. You lazy just like your daddy. Then we wonder why, come on, our kids end up not producing at the level. Come on, that we expect them to produce at. And I know, I know so many times we think, well, God knows my heart. God knows I didn't really mean that. But what we have to understand is words that come out of your mouth are powerful. I'm, I'm not talking about in some new age kind of fashion and, and you can create your own world with your words. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created the elephant, he created the giraffe, he created the lion, he created the crocodile, he created all of them, and he got to the end. Then he said, now let me make man in my image. Let me create man after my likeness. In other words, let me make somebody who operates like I do. And if you look at how God handled situations that weren't the way he wanted them to be, when it was darkness, he said, let there be light. He's created in us the ability to open up our mouths. I'm not saying your words totally dominate your life and you can make whatever kind of world you want by saying, just saying it. What I'm saying is we cannot afford to just say frivolous words out of our mouths that we don't really believe. One of the reasons why is because the words that come out of your mouth, can I tell you this? You believe you more than you believe anybody else. And you hear you more than you hear anybody else. See, if you, if you get tired of hearing me right now, all you have to do is put your hands over your ears and, and push them real tight, and, and it'll, it'll muffle out what I'm saying. But if you put your hands over your ears and push them real tight, you'll still hear you. Because every time, every time a word comes out of your mouth, you hear it two times. You hear it with the outer ear, but then the vibrations on the inside of you, you hear it with an inner ear. Like, I, I, I can't hear you if you're talking to me, but I can still hear myself loud and clearly right now. You know why? Because on the inside, my words are reverberating, which means every time the devil can trick you to saying something that is not in line with God's word, you're hearing it two times. And that means two times every time you hear that word. Hear, hear what I'm saying. It goes out of your mouth, into your ears, and it goes down into your heart. The Bible says this. The Bible says, protect your heart above everything else you protect. Above all the things you protect, the Bible says, guard your heart. Why? Because out of your heart flow the, the, the King James says the issues. I hate that word. Out of your heart, look at it. Out of your heart flows the boundary of your life. Whatever's in my heart is going to create an invisible boundary. Whatever I have in my heart is going to create a boundary where this is as far as I'm going to be able to go based on what I put into my heart, which is why the devil is constantly trying to get the wrong stuff in our hearts. Because if he gets the wrong stuff in our heart, it's going to put a boundary around you. That's why you got to recognize, yes, racism does still exist, but please stop walking around talking about how your life is being hindered by racism all the time. You can clap if you want to, or you can just look at me. I'm telling the truth. You clapping don't change whether I'm telling the truth or not. Constantly walking around talking about who doesn't like you and they don't like you and the man don't like me and the man. That might be true, but guess what? The Bible, let, let me tell you what the Bible says. This is what I say. You can say what you want to say. What I say is when a man's ways please the Lord, God will make even my enemies to be at peace with me. <laughs> let me tell you what I say. You can say whatever you want to say. But what comes out of my mouth is even people that don't normally like me, they, they might not like you, but they're going to like me because I have favor resting upon my life. And every day I get up, I confess that favor goes before me. Come on. Favor follows me. Favor surrounds me. God has people helping me, blessing me, doing things for me that they might not be able to stand me. But I'm not about to open up my mouth and agree with all my coworkers because they don't have the same favor on them that I have on my life. 
It's also one of the reasons why you got to watch what you let yourself listen to. One of the devil's biggest tricks was to get us addicted to ungodly music and have us confessing things and saying things. All he had to do is put a beat to it, put a nice hook to it, put a nice groove to it. And before you know it, we're confessing and declaring, I don't really mean that. I don't want that to come to pass, but you sang out of your mouth. I wish I had time. I'd hang out right here. Before, before you know it, you look up, you have a whole demographic of people who have become enslaved by our own words, by confessing and believing. And now our women are being treated the way we confess they being treated in these songs. Our kids are killing each other the way we confess that they're happening in these songs. And folks still sit around saying, it's just art. That's not real life. That's because you don't understand how your system is made. You don't understand that the words that come out of your mouth go into your ears. They flood your heart. And before realizing a whole generation has a belief about themselves based on what has been said to them through their own words and through the words of the people they call leader in their life. I'm preaching whether you say amen or not, man. This is what the Bible says. You don't have to listen to me. Listen to the Bible. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The word power means the direction. Death and life is in the direction of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The Good News translation says, what you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you got to accept the consequences of your own words. Then look at, look at Proverbs 18, 21 from the easy translation. It says, words have the power to bring life or death. So be careful if you like to talk a lot. <laughs> it's in the book, man. What are you trying to say? I'm, I'm trying to help you. God has one vote for you. The devil has one vote against you. Time for you to cast your vote. We don't cast our vote by wishing. We cast our vote by this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. We got we to get God's word in our mouths. We got to learn this lesson that my words really do matter. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm being real cautious and not make this feel like it's some new age something. But the Bible is replete with examples of how our words matter. The Bible says things uh, about how we ought to speak. In James chapter 3, it tells us don't be in a hurry to get up and teach other people because your, your words can cause damage to them if you don't watch it. Then he says this, if you can learn how to control your words, you can control your whole body. And he uses illustration. He said there are two things that ought to tell you how dangerous the tongue can be. He said the tongue is like the bit we put in a horse's mouth. This big giant horse weighs hundreds of pounds, but you put this little bit in his mouth, and with that bit, you can pull the reins to the left, and the horse will go left. You pull the horse to the right, and the horse will go to the right with that little bitty bit you put in their mouth. Then he says, these big ships out at sea, out here in the, in the ocean, you can turn that entire ship with just a small, relatively small rudder underneath the water. He says, watch this, so is the tongue. In other words, your tongue, my tongue, is just like the bit in the horse's mouth. It's just like the rudder on the bottom of the ship. That little tongue can turn your life, your marriage, your children, your finances, your health, your, your joy, your sense of depression or joy, or joy. It can turn you in a whole lot of directions based on the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's like, I, you know, I've done some research on this, and I've shared this before. But if you, if you study, they say Elvis Presley was known for saying this phrase. I'll be dead in my 40s just like my mother.
Look it up. It's Elvis Presley was known for constantly saying, I'll be dead in my 40s just like my mother. His mother had died at age 46. And he kept saying, you know, he, he's this great musician. And he kept saying, I'll be dead in my 40s just like my mother. He ended up dying at age 42. His daughter, Lisa Marie, ended up dying tragically at age 54. There, there's a cycle of death that has run in that family. And all I'm saying is the words that come out of your mouth matter. If we're going to see prosperity, it's got to begin with changing what we say. See, the bottom line is this. Prosperity does not come by speaking frivolous, negative, or vain words into the air. Because we're made in God's image, we are wired to speak words of life that agree with the word of God. Listen to Proverbs 6.2. It says, you have been trapped by what you said. You have been ensnared by the words of your mouth. We have got to learn to stop confessing and cementing what currently is and start calling the things that are not yet as if they already were. The Bible says this, man. God, that's what God does. He calls those things which be not as though they were. He's wired us that way. And, and, and every believer is going to fit into one or two categories. You're either going to be what I call a thermometer believer, like this thermometer right here. This thermometer has been sitting in this water the whole time. And, 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 and up here in this water, the, the, the team wrote on the this, on this page for me up here, when they put this in the water, it was 91.4 degrees. Well, now, when I, when I take a reading now, it's not 91.4 degrees anymore. Now it's gone down to, say, 84.1 degrees. So it, 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 the, the thermometer was reading 91.4. Now it's 81.4. It's gone down 10 degrees. Do you think it consciously desired to go down 10 degrees? You know what it is? It was subject to its environment. If I let this water sit here a little bit longer and put it back in here, it'll say 71 degrees. If I stick this glass in the refrigerator, stick it in there later on, it's going to say 54 degrees. If I stick it in the freezer and put it in there for a while, it's going to say 31 degrees. This thermometer has zero control over its readout or its life. All it can do, watch this, is respond to its environment. There's some Christians sitting out here right now. We love you, but you're a thermometer Christian, man. Because you, all you do is look at what's going on, and if the devil gets up and tells you you're going to have a bad day, now you're depressed because he said you're going to be depressed. You don't have enough money in your pocket, now you're ready to boo-hoo and cry. And we become so accustomed to just adjusting to the environment instead of being the other one, which is a thermostat Christian. See, there's a thermostat over here on the wall here. There's another one in the back. And we used to have to go to the thermostat, but now our facilities team, all they got to do is pull out their phone. They can pull up an app on their phone. And if they pull up the app on their phone and it feels too warm in here, and, and, it, and it starts reading 74 degrees, they're like, oh, it's too warm. This many people, we don't want it 74. But watch this. They, they, don't, they never sit there and go, it's 74 degrees. It's 74 degrees. I declare it's 74 degrees. It is 74 degrees. It is 74 degrees. Doggone, it's 74 degrees. I hate that it's 74 degrees. Man, I'm depressed. It's 74 degrees. If they were sitting behind me just constantly confessing what temperature it is, I would turn around and say, boy, if you don't. If you don't use that thermostat in your hand, dial it to 72. But watch this. They dial it down to 72, and it's still 74 at the moment. At no point do they ever say, this stuff doesn't work. Slam the phone down. This thing is not working. You know what they do? They dial it to 72. And as long as it stays dialed at 72, then the phone will send a signal to the air conditioning unit, which will send a signal to the condenser in another part of the building, and it'll command cold air to keep coming in here. And if they dial it down to 68, it'll keep sending cold air until this room matches what the therm thermostat told it to say. 
God needs you to be a thermostat and stop being a thermometer. Stop saying what it is and start declaring what God said it's supposed to be. Start declaring, I am well, even when you don't feel like it. Start declaring, my marriage is strong and growing. Even while you're going through difficulties, use the words in your mouth, man. Say what you're believing for instead of rehearsing what you have, and you'll end up having what you've been declaring instead of having what you've been seeing. Woo! Shout amen, somebody. So we got to speak the word of God. Second thing we got to do, he said in Joshua 1 8, he says, meditate on this word day and night. God's blank check requires us to also meditate the word of God. Now, again, the word meditate can also generate a whole lot of images or thoughts in your minds based on whatever background you come from. When you hear the word meditation today, somebody could be talking about transcendental meditation, or they could be talking about some type of mantra meditation, or visualization meditation. Or some kind of guided meditation. That's not what we're talking about. When I hear other people talk about meditation, I had to ask, what you talking about, man? Because you might be talking about somebody sitting down with their legs, crisscrossed applesauce like this, going, hmm. That's not what we're talking about when we say meditate. The word meditate, he says, meditate on this day and night. It comes from a Greek word, dogal, spelled H-A-G-A, a Hebrew word, dogal, H-A-G-A-H. It means to reflect to moan, to mutter, to ponder, to make a quiet sound such as a sighing. It means to meditate or contemplate something as one repeats the words. The word meditate comes from a Hebrew word, dogal. It means to reflect, to moan, to mutter, to ponder, to make a quiet sound such as a sighing, to meditate or contemplate something as one repeats the words. The best English word that we have that can represent the biblical word for meditation is a word called ruminate. The word ruminate means to think about something repeatedly like a cow chewing its cud. The word ruminate, so when, we, when the Bible says meditate on this word day and night, he's not talking about sitting and, and, and crossing your fingers, not talking about holding your ears, not talking about any of the, 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 the new age versions of meditation. When the Bible talks about meditating, it's talking about to ruminate, to think about the word repeatedly like a cow chewing his cud. Now, if you're a city boy like me, that doesn't mean a lot for a child, cow chewing his cud. But if you study it out, a cow has one stomach, but it has four chambers in it. And the four chambers of the cow's heart are, 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 are reflected in the rumen, the reticulum, the omasum, and the abomasum. Those are the four different chambers of the cow's heart. And what happens when a cow starts to eat grass out in the field? You see a cow eating grass, and they start chewing the grass. They chew that grass, but that grass is hard for them to digest. They chew it, and then it goes into the first two big parts of his stomach, the rumen and the reticulum. And the digestive juices are added there, and it's broken down, and it sits there for a while. But then comes the real gross part. Then the cow regurgitates it up, vomits it back up. Then it chews it again. So you come back out later on. You say, that cow's still eating. No, he's eating the same food he was eating earlier. It's gone into the two chambers of the stomach. Then it comes back up. And, And it is really gross. Cows can do that up to 60 times before they finally swallow it. And it goes into the smaller parts of their stomach where their body can fully digest it. The Bible, the Bible says that God is teaching us to meditate, to ruminate like a cow chewing cud on the word of God. 
And God convicted me because I, I, I'm a student of the Word of God. I read the Word of God. I have a Bible plan. I, I'm, I'm journaling. But I have gotten away from meditating the Word. And God convicted me. I got to get back to meditating. See, it's one thing to read Scripture, and we should all read Scripture. There's something else to even study Scripture. But there's a whole third component to take a Scripture and maybe just all day long. Don't go any further than that one verse. Let me give you an example. Like, like the Scripture that says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can read it, but let me meditate. But, but my God, mm, my God, but my, but my God, my God, he's my God. I know he's everybody else's God, but right now I'm talking about George. He's just my God. Thank you, Lord, for being my God. Thank you that you don't leave me, you don't forsake me. Thank you, Lord, you are my God. You are my God. You're my God, my very own personal God. You are with me. You are my God, but my God, my God shall, my God shall. He, it's not a possibility. It's not a he may do it. My God shall. He's, he's, it is a, a guarantee. My God shall. He's not saying if it's his will. My God shall supply. My God shall. My God shall supply, which means if it doesn't exist, he's the creator God. He created the sun, moon, and stars. He can create whatever it is that I have need of. My God shall supply all. I like this. All. All. That means every single thing, including this tax bill from the IRS that I wasn't expecting. God is able to supply all of my need. Thank you, Lord. You don't just supply a little bit. You supply every single portion of it. I don't have to worry because my, my God, my God shall supply all of my need. I like this, God. I like this. According to his riches, according to his riches, not according to how much my job was willing to pay me, not according to the raise I didn't get this year, not according to how bad the economy has got, not according to what inflation is doing, not according to gas prices, so I can stop talking about how high the gas prices are, because my God supplies according to his riches, his riches, his riches in glory, in glory, I love this last part, by Christ Jesus, you know, if you walked around all day and you chewed on that then you brought it back up and you chewed on it some more and you chewed on it some more you chewed on it some more. At some point, your heart's going to become so full of that word, you're going to believe what God said more than you believe that bill sitting in front of you. Well, if you meditate on bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Let me give him praise. I praise you, God. I bless you, Lord, and everything within me. Let me forget not all your benefits. Maybe I've been forgetting. I haven't remembered your, ben- your benefits. What are benefits? He forgives all of my iniquities, which means God is not holding against me what happened yesterday. He's not even holding against me what happened an hour and a half ago. He forgives all of my iniquities. He's the one who heals all of my diseases. You know, if you meditated that instead of just reading it, and all day long you just chewed on that same word over and over and over and over, at some point your heart's going to become so filled with healing. That even when you got a doctor's report sitting in front of you, you believe what God said more than you believe what they said. Part of the problem is we, we have a tendency to try to believe God for things that we haven't acquired enough faith for. And faith comes by hearing the word. And, and the word is best spoken when it comes out of your own mouth. You still with me? I said, you still with me? See, developing the habit of meditating God's word allows us to control our thought life. And when we master the art of controlling our words and our thoughts, and we can do the last thing he tells us to do. Joshua 1.8, he says, be careful to live by everything that is written in his word. 
In other words, what he's telling us to ob- is obey the word of God. So speak the word of God, meditate the word of God, and then obey the word of God. Because ultimately our ability to prosper the way God desires is tied to our ability to simply obey God's word. So many times we try to obey what God has said without preparing our hearts for the task at hand. See, God understands that it's not always easy to simply embrace and obey the hard thing he tells us to do. In fact, there's, in Scripture, there's a time when Jesus is preaching, and when he gets done with his message, the Bible says this, many among his disciples heard this, and they said, this is a tough teaching. It's too tough to swallow. Anybody ever had God tell you to do something It was hard for you to do it? About 12 of us that are able to be obedient and honest. Anybody ever had God tell you to do something it was hard to hear what he said the first time? I mean, anybody, see, see, you ever heard a message or got instructions from God that just felt too tough to swallow? Like when you first got saved and, and you come to church and then, and then they tell you that uh, the, the, the Bible teaches us you're supposed to take 10% of your income and bring it to God through the church? You're like, what? I've been struggling with 100% of my income and now I'm supposed to section off 10%? It's, it's hard to hear that if you haven't prepared your heart for it. Uh, how about when... God comes along and tells you to forgive so-and-so. Or even worse, can I, can I, can I, how about when he comes and tells you to go ask them to forgive you and you know you did nothing wrong to them? See, God can tell us to do some things and it can end up being hard for us to listen. Sometimes our emotions make it tough. Sometimes what, our, what we've been taught, our background makes it tough. And sometimes it's people that are in our ear talking to us that make it tough. But hear this out. I want you to get this. Listen to this. Our level of prosperity is directly tied to our level of obedience. So here's the question. How much do you want? Our level of prosperity. If I want my prosperity here, I need to make sure my obedience comes up to here. If I'm good with my prosperity where it is and just start keep obeying where I've been obeying. Because obviously that obedience has been working to get me where I am. But if I want my prosperity to come up higher, come on, I got to have my obedience come up higher. How do, I, how do I get my obedience up higher? Start speaking the word more, start meditating the word more, and it becomes easier to do what God has said to do. Amen. Developing the habit of confessing the word and meditating the word puts us in position to do 1 Peter 1.13. It says, get yourselves ready, prepare your minds to act, control yourself, and look forward in hope as you focus on the grace that comes when Jesus, the anointed one, returns and is completely revealed to you. God wants us to obey him, but he wants us to obey him from a heart that is ready and willing to do it. Best way to do that, man, speak the word only. Meditate the word until your heart gets into a position where you can now obey the word. Let me do the last thing I told you to do. This whole series I told you, I'm going to teach you from the scripture, but I'm also going to teach you how to get into God's presence. So give me a few minutes. Go ahead and lift up your hands right there where you are. Open up your mouth and just begin to worship the Lord with us. Come on, bless the Lord. Come on, we worship you, God.
teach you to do something right here in this moment. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a number that the Bible says is so great, no man can number them, like a sea of glass, which means everybody there won't speak English. Everybody there won't speak Spanish. Some will speak Russian. Some will speak Chinese. Some will speak Portuguese. Some will speak French. But everybody will lift up our voices to God. And it's something we call the sound of heaven. That's when you kind of draw a circle around yourself. You kind of forget that everybody else is in the room. And you just take, a, take, take time to have your own little private concert to the Lord. Where we're not singing a song together with lyrics on the screen. You just kind of sing your own song. You take a moment and think about how good he's been to you. And you add a little tune to that. And just take time to sing it in your own little circle. And when we all do that, it's called the sound of heaven while we lift up our voices to God and we bless his name. So I want you right now to lift up your voice and begin to sing a love song to God. Lift up your hands and bless his name. Lift up your hands and tell the Lord how much you love him today. Tell him that you thank him today. Tell him you appreciate him today. Lord, we love you, Jesus. How we love you. Don't leave out until the final dismissal, if you would. There may be some people in here right now, you do not know Jesus Christ as your own Lord and personal Savior. We're not saying anybody here is better than you. We're not saying that you made more mistakes than the rest of us. The only difference between us and you right now is we made one decision, and that's the decision to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible's talking about when it says confess him as your Lord. That means just give him control of your life. 
He didn't ask you to promise what you'll never do again and how you'll get better at this. He just says, surrender to him just like you are. And he'll take you just like you are, change you on the inside, and then take you step by step by the hand and teach you how to get better living this life on the outside. But it all starts with an internal change before there can ever be an external change. So if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, can I just pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up here to the front of the church. But right there at your seat or right there online where you are or right there in the, in the overflow space, in the lounge, wherever you happen to be, I want to pray for you right now. And I just need you to give me permission to pray. So I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you're saying, yes, pastor, include me in on this prayer, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand right there where you are. Don't come forward. Just stand right there and lift up your hand. Let me acknowledge that you can put it right back down. So when I get to three, have the courage and the boldness to say, yes, yes, God, I want, I want you. I want all of you. And I'm raising my hand for you to write my name in Atlanta's Book of Life. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hand if that's you. Beautiful. All over the room, hands are going up. All over the room, hands are going up. Thank you. See that hand there. Another one there. Thank you. Another hand there. Another one there. Another hand there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Another hand there. Thank you. See that hand there. Thank you. Another hand there. Beautiful. Thank you. Another hand there. All over the room, hands are up. The only hand we're waiting on is yours. I promise you we're not going to embarrass you. It's not a church. We're going to ask you to speak into a microphone or go out into another room with somebody. I'm going to pray for you right there at your seat. And I only want you to raise your hand so heaven has it on record. And the devil can't talk you out of this later on. Anybody else? Anybody online saying yes to Jesus? All right, every one of you that raised your hand, I want you to whisper this prayer right there at your seat. Say, dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. He paid the price for my sin, but you raised him from the dead, and he's alive right now. So Jesus, come into my heart now. Save me, forgive me, make me brand new. I surrender my life to you for the rest of my days. And according to the Bible, I am born again. Amen. Come on, Impact Church. Put your hands together.